as Pastor Brandon said, we're going to do week two of the relationship series. And uh, he, I thought Pastor Brandon did a great job last week. If you were here or if you watched online uh, from the woman at the well, the good the uh, Samaritan woman, that was a great, great analogy. And he talked about three secrets to successful relationships. And he mentioned about you got to rely on God to meet your deepest emotional needs and not other people. That's That's a big truth right there. Because some people, they go from bad relationship to bad relationship because they don't realize that one thing. Then he talked about, it's the Holy Spirit that empowers your relationships to succeed. Come on, how many of you know we need the help of the Holy Spirit, right? And then he talked about, uh, he concluded with um, the fact that all of us can experience the love of God in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord for that. Amen. And so today, we're going to turn the corner, and we're going to talk about um, what I think is one of the most important ingredients to be successful in relationships. So let's pray. Father, thank you for helping me to just teach and preach your word today. I pray the grace of God over this building today. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help us to understand Lord, what your spirit wants us to know today, Lord, may you bring us way beyond just even the words that I share. But Lord, may you give us revelation knowledge by your spirit today. Help us, Lord, to grow in the knowledge of Jesus and in relationship with others. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, it's real cold today, right? So, you know, I think there's an important ingredient for relationships to be successful, just like there's important ingredients to uh, to have a successful chicken and sausage gumbo, right? Come on, how many of you know you got to have some good ingredients in there, you know? And uh, you know you don't want to make a chicken and sausage gumbo and forget the chicken and sausage, you know? <laughs> or you know make a chicken and sausage gumbo without any roux. You got to have that roux in there, right? Or otherwise you got some soup. Right. So, so you gotta, you gotta have the right ingredients. Or if you want to bake an apple pie, I, I'm no baker, but you better have some apples, <laughs> you know. Come on. How many of y'all tracking with me now? Now, practically speaking, what is the most important ingredient to having successful relationships? Now, some people might say, well, commitment. You gotta be committed. Some might say, well, you know, you gotta, you gotta sacrifice. There is no good relationship without sacrifice. And then some people might say, well, honesty. I mean, you can't, you got to be honest. Some others may say you have to have sincerity or thoughtfulness. And uh, obviously all those ingredients will definitely improve your relationships, right? But here is what I think is the most important ingredient to taking your relationships to a whole new level. And it's loving without restraint. That's the only way. That's the most important ingredient, I think, to taking your relationship to a whole new level. And so now listen, everyone loves to some extent, right? We all love some people to some level, but we need to learn to love all people without restraint. We, we got to up our game. If we want our relationships to go to another level, we have to up our game. Y'all with me? Wouldn't you say that the main quality that Jesus possessed was unrestrained love? Like, I mean, he loved like nobody else, right? 
In fact, John 13, 1 says, it was just before the Passover feast, and Jesus knew that they had come, that time had come for him to leave the world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. He showed them the full extent of his love. In other words, Jesus demonstrated to the world through obviously his crucifixion that he loved without restraint. And that, I believe, is what Christ is calling us to do as Christians, is to love without restraint. And in a sense, he wants us to go to our cross and die to ourself and get beyond ourself and start loving like Jesus loved. In 1 Corinthians 16, 14, it says, love without stopping. Love without restraints means loving people that are unloving. Loving people that are irritating. Come on, don't, don't, don't look around right now. Love people that are, that are lovable and unlovable. People that are kind and loving and people that are hurtful, hateful, ugly, and mean. So loving without restraints means Loving people at a deeper level than you've ever loved before. It's loving anybody and everybody with a love that is beyond your ability. That's what love without restraint, I think, means. There's nothing that can transform your marriage. Nothing can transform your parenting, your relationship with your co-workers, than loving without restraint. You don't have to go anywhere else, but but pitch your tent right here. Just love without restraint. And quit being selfish. And quit being self-centered. And quit being nor, a narcissist and just worry about yourself. you got to learn to love beyond limits. Amen? How do you love without restraint? Let's talk about it. Here, here's a couple of keys. Number one, make loving people your highest priority. You know, we have to get better at loving people, and it's never going to get better unless we make it a priority, right? Because at the end of the day, really, it's the only thing that matters is that we learn how to love people. It's pretty quiet in here. Say amen. Imagine what would happen if everybody in Lafayette Parish started loving without restraint. Well, you know, I'm thinking... There would be less lawsuits. The attorneys would be in trouble, right? There would be less crimes. I mean, quit, people would stop trying to rob people, right? There would be less divorce, less health issues, because how many of you know it affects you physically if you don't learn how to love without restraint, right? 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, Let love be your greatest aim. I, the, the New Living says this, Let love be your highest goal. So what's your greatest priority in life? For most of us, if we'd be honest, it's not to be a, a great person that loves beyond any level. That's not our aim. But I think if you read the Bible, you can't get away from what, what the Scripture tells us that it has to be a top priority in our life. The best use of your life is to love people without restraint. Amen? Here's a couple of reasons why. Number one, loving people pr proves you really know God. 
Yeah, so it's not our Bible knowledge. You know, verse, chapter and verse, and quoting Scripture doesn't mean you really know God. If you wear a t-shirt that has a big old fish on it, that doesn't mean you know God. Right? In fact, you know, the other day I was driving down in Bastler and a car pulled, you know, you know, I cut me off and it had a little fish on the back of it. So I said, well, I better not, you know, I better restrain myself because they are a Christian. Right? But how many of you know that's not really what proves that we're a Christian? It's not our ability to flow in spiritual gifts, prophesy, you know, and, and uh, w- you know, move in the word of knowledge. What really proves that we know God, I think it's our ability to love people without restraint. And John 13, 35 says this, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. There you go, right? We could just stop right there, pray, and go home, right? Our ability to love people is the real proof that we truly know God. You know, and so listen, 1 John 4, 8 says, The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And so I often think about my spiritual maturity is dependent on how much I can love the persons that is least lovable. There's my spiritual maturity, right? A second reason loving people should be a top priority is loving people is what holds your life together. Think about it. What holds your social life together? Loving others. What holds your relational life together? Loving others. What holds your emotional life together? Loving others. What holds your family life together? Loving others. Colossians 3.14 says, Love is more important than anything else. It is what ties everything completely together. Love really is the glue that holds your life together, right? It's, it's what makes your life fulfilling and emotionally healthy. It's what keeps your life from falling apart. You show me somebody that knows how to love people, and I'll show you a happy camper, right? A third reason loving people should be a top priority is it keeps your life from being bankrupt. You know, people are empty. You know why sometimes people are empty? They stop loving. People are depressed. Why? Sometimes it's because they stop loving. You lose your purpose and destiny when you stop loving people. Because, hey, you know, we all want to know, what's your purpose? What's your destiny? Can I clear it up for you? Love people. Say, well, no, I want it deeper. No, that's deep enough right there. Believe me. 1 Corinthians 13.3 says, If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, and what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. Doesn't everybody have an opinion? The Bible says people don't care about your opinion if you don't have love. That's basically what it's saying, right? And so if we want... If you want your life to really count and transform relationships around you, make loving people your greatest aim in your life. Can you say amen right there? You know, as Pastor Brandon said, we seem like we've been one funeral after another. Yesterday, I know many of you know Miss Rose Roy. And she would sit right, right behind Brother Francis and Miss Betty Jo where Pastor Dixie's sitting and and she was, she was a bundle of love. And she's in heaven now, so y'all don't feel sorry for her. She's in glory. But man, did that lady know how to love people. 
I, I mentioned yesterday, you know, if she told me one time, she must have told me a thousand times, I love and appreciate you. I love and appreciate. I appreciate all you do. I mean, everybody that was sharing yesterday, they, everything they had to say was, oh my goodness, that lady was a bundle of love. She had an impact with her life. Not because she knew how to play a harp like nobody's business. Not because she had, you know, so much money that she could choke a mule. No, she made an impact with her life just because she learned how to love people. That's the kind of life we should aim for. Amen. Taking our relationships to a whole new level. The second key to living without restraint is this. Let Christ be your example and standard. Let Christ. Listen, sometimes we measure our ability to love people by human standards. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm more loving than him. I'm, I'm more loving than Hitler. Well, like, well, great. I mean, I haven't, I haven't murdered anybody. Oh, well, we should be, we should be so delighted that you're in our presence. No, no, that we, you don't measure your ability to love by others. I think we should make Christ our standard. We should make Jesus. Just remember this, you'll never be inspired to love without restraint by comparing yourself to others. You gotta compare yourself to Christ. In John 13, 15, it says, I have given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. In, in verse 34, he says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other in the same way that I've loved you. Love others the way that I've loved you. How many of you are grateful that the Lord loved you? So he's saying, love like me. Just love like me. So how do you love like Jesus? Well, number one, I have to accept others just as they are. Aren't you glad that the Lord accepted you like you were? Like he didn't wait for you to become an angel before he said, okay, you can come in now. Come on, some of us will still be knocking on the door. Please, Lord, it's cold. Let me in. We would never make it, right? Christ doesn't expect us to reach a certain level of perfection before he will love us. He accepts us just like we are, imperfections and all. Isn't that true, saints? Romans 15, 7 says, Accept one another then just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So Jesus doesn't necessarily approve our behavior, but you know what he does? He loves us and accepts us despite our behavior. Thank God for that. And so... That's what he's asking us to do. Remember, Pastor Brandon was talking about the Samaritan woman and she came to the well and, and, and uh, she, Jesus starts ministering to her. Well, men didn't normally talk to women. Men didn't certainly talk to Samaritan women. And Jesus says, you know, your life's a wreck. I mean, you've had five husbands. You've been married a bunch of times. But you know what? And, and by the way, he said, you're, you're living immorally right now. But he didn't reject her because of what was going on in her life. He reached out to her. He ministered to her. Folks, how is the world going to know the love of God unless we bring it to them? Come on, are y'all with me out there? Jesus didn't reject the woman and we should be very careful. He didn't allow, listen, his prejudices to get in the way. He loved her even though she was a Samaritan woman. And Jesus accepted her just like she was because he loved her unconditionally. Remember in John 8, when the woman was caught in adultery, 
And the religious leaders, they drug her to Jesus and they said, hey, now, you know, Moses' law said you got to stone her. And so Jesus says, well, I'll tell you what, you who haven't sinned, y'all, y'all throw that first stone. And, and, um, and then he looked down and he started, maybe somebody said maybe writing names on the ground. Like Sue, and one of them says, oh, Sue, well, go on. But the Bible says they all left. And Jesus says, where's your accusers? She said, they're all gone. He said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Can you, can you see that about Jesus? That he learned to, you know, so if you want to live your life with no regrets, I think we have to quit stoning people and start loving people. We need to quit stoning people and start loving people. Oh, this is tough. Right? Loving like Christ also means placing a high value on every soul you meet. Every person we meet is valuable, right? From the person that serves us at Walmart to, you know, the person that um, that's the president of the bank downtown, right? The homeless person, the person that has that's painted up, tatted up, pierced up. It doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter who they are. We need to place a high value on them. Listen what 1 Peter 2.17 says, Treat everyone you meet with dignity. With dignity means you see every person you meet as a precious soul created in the image and likeness of God. Right? Come on, y'all help me this morning. Every person that is alive created in the image and likeness of God. Jesus placed a high value on every soul. You remember whenever the disciples tried to stop the children from coming to him? And it says in Luke 18, 16, Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. See, the the disciples were thinking children weren't important. And he says, hold up, dudes. Bring them children here. That's my precious kids right there. And he put them on his lap and he ministered to them. You could see how he was, he was dealing with the mindset of the disciples. And then you remember the religious leaders, they were complaining that Jesus was eating at the same table with notorious sinners and tax gatherers. In, in Matthew 9, when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, why is your teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he says, it is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice, for I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So Jesus demonstrated his love without restraint by placing a high value on anyone and everyone he came in contact with. You know, I think love is like a muscle. The more you use it, the more to grow. And if you could start learning people that you don't feel like loving, you're going to have more love for your family when you get home. He placed a high value on every soul he met, and we should do as well. Amen? You know, I, I was thinking about this. Uh, there's a, a family in church here. Brother Francis modeled this so well. One day I was with him at a, a dealership in town. They had a uh, family that's coming to church. He was uh, in the car sales. And we went to visit him. 
And whenever we were in his office, the owners of the car dealership were there. And so he, he said, I, I want to introduce you to the owners. So he called all the high profile ownership of the business. And they came into his office and, and, and they were introducing him to Brother Francis. And after a while, this guy walked in the door and he kind of went along the back wall and he was kind of just trying not to be noticed. And Brother Francis shook his hand and he said, who's that guy over there? And Brother Francis crossed the room and went shake hands with him, met him, said, hey, nice to meet you. God bless you. Well, it turns out that guy was having severe marriage problems. And he was so impressed that Brother Francis recognized him that he called the church the next week and said, hey, would you give us marriage counseling? So they came to church, got marriage counseling. They both got saved. They've been in church here for 30 years. Come on, are y'all with me? We got to take our love to another level. Amen. And we can make a difference. And finally, loving like Christ means forgiving those that sin against me. You know, one of the most famous sayings of Jesus is in Luke 23, 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. That's a powerful statement that Jesus made. Because remember who he was forgiving. He was forgiving the ones that scourged him. He was forgiving the ones that spit in his face, that nailed him to the cross. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. His own people who had rejected, betrayed, and turned on him were the very people that Jesus was forgiving. Jesus forgave his offenders. In Colossians 3.13, it says, you must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Paul said we must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends us. I'm afraid as soon as somebody does the littlest thing to us, we will stiff arm them. As Christians, we are not to do that. We are learned to forgive. I don't think you heard that, so I'm going to say it again. As Christians, we're not to hold offense towards people. We need to learn how to forgive. We need to learn how to forgive. Here's the hard truth of life. People will offend you. And when they do, we have an obligation and a responsibility to forgive them just as, forgave, just as Christ forgave us. And I think that's where many times we stop. You know, I was thinking about this, you know, the, the, the word offense, when you get offended, the word, the Greek word is a trap. Ms. Babs had an armadillo problem at her house and she called me and said, hey, can you help me get rid of the armadillos? And there's a, a brother in church here that knows how to trap armadillos, so we set some traps and I think you got them at Gwen's house too, but, you know, I was thinking, you know, you, you, the armadillos, uh, you had to trap them to get rid of them. And I was thinking how Satan is so clever. He's betting, he's been, he set so many traps in 2020. And I'm afraid there's too many Christians that walked right into his trap. And the only way you're going to get out of that trap is you're going to just have to open up your heart and you're going to have to forgive those who were offended, who offended you. Amen. That's the only way you're going to learn how to love without restraint is you got to learn how to forgive. You know, years ago, some of you might have heard of Reinhard Bunke. He's an amazing evangelist and so more miracles, people raised from the dead and all that. And there was actually a pastor that um, 
that went off a cliff. He was driving in his car and went off a cliff and he died. And his wife, um, they had embalmed him and everything. They, he drug, she drug him to a Reinhard Bunky crusade underneath the stage. The stage was real high. And, and he, he got raised from the dead. Yeah. And it was documentary. It was a doc, you know, documentation and all that. Well, that was great. God raised him from the dead, but he said, folks, I don't think I went to heaven. It's like, what? He said, it didn't look like I was going to heaven. I said, what? You're a pastor. He said, yeah, but me and my wife, we got in a fight. And I left mad. And I don't think I was walking in forgiveness. Now, I, I don't know about all that. But here's the bottom line. If we're going to take our relationships to a whole new level, we're going to have to learn how to forgive. In the Gospel of Luke, in Luke 6, it says, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Amen? So Jesus reminds us, if we judge harshly, we will be judged. If we condemn severely, we will be condemned. If we are merciful and forgive, we will receive the Lord's mercy and forgiveness. Amen? You know, the most common regret of people at the end of their life is they realize they held bitterness, unforgiveness. You know, there was a story of two brothers that, that died in a nursing home across the hallway from each other, but they couldn't visit because they, they were bitter at each other. Come on, that's not how Jesus acts. And so that's not how we should act. Amen? If you believe that, say amen. Now, the third key to loving without restraint is you got to start sowing good seeds towards everyone, every day, Everywhere you go, you got to sow seeds. Galatians 6, 9 says, let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we'll reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. So here's what Paul's encouraging us to do, to start sowing good seeds towards everyone Every day, everywhere we go. Do you realize that just smiling is sowing good seeds? Whenever you smile, you're saying, I accept you. I love you. I'm glad to be in your presence. Are y'all hearing me? If you got a, a frown as large as a, a Missouri mule eating sawbriar on a, on a frosty morning, then come on, you, you're draining people around you. Come on, just smile. Amen. Sow some good seeds. Amen. And you might win people to Christ. You know, years ago, we went to a pastor's conference and uh, John Maxwell, Brother Francis and I, and, and John Maxwell, he had, there was all kind of denominations there. And he said, pastors, I'm going to help y'all grow y'all church. And so everybody's on the end of their seat. Okay, give me this deep revelation. And he said, I want you to this Sunday, whenever you get up in the pulpit, don't act like you're Charles Heston or Moses. I want you to just walk around your church and smile. And you're going to grow your church. And everybody looked at him. He said, yeah, I'm telling you, just start smiling. It's sowing good seeds. Amen. Come on, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you Sow some good seeds. Come on, how many of you are receiving this this morning? Man, I'm thinking, I'm going to have to go live this out on Valentine's Day. Amen. So 
To start sowing good seeds, we need a right mindset. We need, we need to change our stinking thinking. And we need to understand that loving people is not weakness. It's not letting people run over you. It's acting like Jesus, right? It's acting like Jesus. It's acting like the one we should model our life after, right? And so we need to remember this about sowing good seeds and having the right, right mindset. Love is a choice. It's a choice. 1 Corinthians 16, 14 says, do everything with love. The Bible commands us over and over again to love. Why would God command us to love others if it was not a choice? If we couldn't do it? The bottom line is we choose to love or not love just as we choose to love some people and choose not to love others. But I want to encourage you to make a commitment to love everyone, every day, everywhere you go. Amen? And so, 1 Corinthians 14, 1, remember it says, make love your greatest aim. Make it your life's goal. Start loving more. Those of you that are married, up your game in your marriage. You could take your marriage to another level. Those of you that are parents, start spending more time with your kids and loving your kids. Put your agenda aside and make their agenda important for a minute and just invest in them, amen? They'll be eternally grateful for it, right? And so I just want to encourage you, just make your life's goal to begin loving people everywhere, everywhere you go. And remember this, love is an action, not just an emotion. You know, emotion is a verb. You don't wait to start lo loving people when you start feeling like loving people. Well, I just don't feel like it. Well, you might wait a long time to start loving people if you wait for the feeling. You don't wait to feel like loving people. You start loving people, and then the feelings will follow. Love is a verb that requires some kind of action. You love people because God commands us. That's the reason. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. You see, we don't learn how to love by simply reading a book. We don't learn how to love just by going to church. Although these things can help us, motivate us, inspire us. You learn to love by practicing it. By doing it. As you see, love is a learned behavior. It's a learned behavior. And that's why 1 Corinthians 13 says, in verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not, it's not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. The next verse says, love never fails, right? So in other words, what the Scripture is telling me is, I, Todd, you can learn to be patient. Somebody came to church just for that this morning. I can learn to be kind. I don't have to be rude, right? I can learn to be nice. I can learn to be humble and not proud. I can learn 
to not keep a record of wrongs. I can learn to forgive. You know, I, you've probably heard me say this, but every time Tanya and I have had a fight, I mean, we just had one in 30 years, you know. Wait, love doesn't lie. No, no, I had more than that, right? And so, you know, whenever Tanya and I have a little spat, you know, the kind where you lay down and you don't want to let your big toe touch your spat or touch me, you know, that, that kind of thing, you know. And, and so when I sit back and I sift my, my behavior and my reaction through the list found in 1 Corinthians 13, I always get convicted. I always get convicted of not applying at least one of these characteristics to my behavior. Come on, how many of you know 1 Corinthians 13 will help you? Right? And so I want to encourage you, you know, what relationship in your life needs to, needs to be brought to the next level? What relationship? And so if you don't have one really that's struggling that you say, man, like hey, it might be a coworker. That you just can't stand a coworker. Start loving them. Say nice things. Help them out. Serve them. It may be somebody in your house. It may be a family member. It may be a neighbor. Whatever it is. I encourage you. Just start loving them. Just start doing acts of kindness. Just start making it a point to be a blessing to them. And I'll tell you what's going to change. You. You're going to change. Love never fails. And I've found the more I learn to love people, the freer I am, the happier I am. Come on. The more I enjoy life. Amen. But listen, the more selfish I am, the more self-centered I am, my world starts closing in. Amen. And God wants us to live an abundant life. And the only way you're going to live an abundant life is you got to learn how to be loving and love not just the people that you want to. The Bible says even heathen do that. You got to learn, learn to love everybody, the loving, the unloving, the irritating people, everybody. Amen. Love them. And you're, 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 your life is going to go to a whole new level. Make the decision today. Here's what I believe. Our ability to love others is totally dependent on our relationship with God. That, that's the bottom line. You know, I could tell you stories of people in this church how God has radically changed their life as they've learned to love. 1 John 4, 7 says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is. What is God? God is. If I want to be more like God, I need to. That's it. That's it. You know, and sometimes as Christians, we, we, uh, we get spiritual pride. And instead of loving, we, we go around beating people up with the Bible or condemning or criticizing. And, and, and you know, listen, I wasn't going to get one to Christ like that. In fact, some people tried. It didn't work. It's whenever I started getting loved. That's whenever I, I started getting interested in, in the gospel. Amen. Everyone can love some people, but not everyone can love all people. You know what? It's easy to love people you love. That's no problem, right? It's loving the unlovely 
It's loving the difficult, the irritable, that are different. It's loving those that are demanding. The problem is when you have to love people that you don't like, that you don't feel like loving. That's what's difficult, right? Are y'all with me out there? The only way that you can love all people all the time is whenever you have the love of God flowing in your life. Because God is love. And if you got God flowing in your life, you're going to be able to love to a level you never have before. Amen? You can't love God without having the love of God in your heart. Jesus said in John 13, 34, Now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I've loved you, you should love each other. How did Jesus forgive those that nailed him to the cross? He had the love of God in his life. Amen? And so listen, as we conclude today, I just want to encourage you to just change your mindset. Don't, don't look at people around you, your spouse or your, peop, your family members or whatever it is, and say, well, I'm doing better than them. Let Jesus be your standard. And listen, I can promise you, you're never going to reach it, right? You're going to have some more room to grow because he was an incredible, an incredible man that loved all, all the time and placed great value on people. How many of you want to bring your relationships to a whole new level? Just start loving. Start serving those around you in a greater way. Amen? Would you do me a favor and, and just bow your head with me for a moment? You know, the Bible uses different words to describe love. And, and one of the words it uses is eros, which is just a, you know, just a, a word that means it's natural affection, it's fickle, it comes and goes. And then there's another word that says it's eros and it's self-centered and it only loves whenever it can get something in return. And then there's phileo, which is brotherly love, which we, we, the expression we give to each other, hey, I love you, man. And everybody can do that. But then the fourth kind of love the Bible talks about is agape, which is unconditional love, which is the ability to love people even when they wrong us, even when they hurt us, even when they betray us, even when they nail us to the cross. And that's the kind of love that we have to have in our life to be able to take our relationships to a whole new level. And the only way to have that kind of love is you got to give your life to Christ. you got to surrender to Jesus. And maybe you've never done that. You're here at church this morning. You're watching online. You believe in God. But you've never really surrendered your life to Christ. And, and, and quite frankly, maybe right now where you are, you're dying on the vine because you got bitterness in your life. You, you're you got animosity in your life, and the Lord wants to set you free. And all you have to do is be willing to open up your heart and receive His forgiveness this morning and give your life to Him. So with everybody's head bowed and just in respect for each other and reverence for the Lord, if you're here today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? I need that agape love. I need to surrender to Christ. Would you pray for me this morning? I'm ready. I'm ready. 
Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you just lift your hand? Just lift your hand just for a moment so I could see it. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. I see your hand. Thank you, sir. I see your hand right here. Ma'am, I see your hand right over here. Thank you for responding. Thank you for just responding to what God's doing in your life. This is going to be a life-changing moment for you. We're going to pray this prayer together. Thank you, ma'am. I see your hand. We're going to pray this prayer together as a family. Just pray it with me. Just as sincere as you can be. Would you, with the rest of you, would you pray it with us? Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood to cover my sins. Lord, I'm sorry for sinning against you. Lord, today I choose to open my heart to you. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my heart. Fill me with your love. Help me, Lord Jesus, to empower me today. Help me today, Lord, to be empowered with your love. Thank you, Father, for accepting me into your family today. In Jesus' name. I pray, amen, and amen, amen. For those of you that prayed that prayer, there's a card in the pew that says, I made a decision. We like to know you made that decision. And you know, the Bible says it's good to let somebody know. If you confess me before man, I'll confess you before the Lord. But we have a Bible for you. We have a gift for you. If you just take that card, bring it to the desk. We're not going to harass you or anything but we want to give you some tools to get started. If you watch it online and you pray that prayer, just there's a link there, a connection cord. Just fill that out and just say, hey, could you send me that Bible? I, I pray that prayer. We would love to know that. And we would love to just encourage you in your walk with God. Because we can't love without God, right? Now, would you just do me a favor? Would you all stand? I believe that your destiny is greater than you think. And your purpose is greater than you think. And you don't have to have a theology to degree. You don't have to have a silver tongue. You don't have to have all kind of gifts and talents and skills beyond everybody around you. All you need is the willingness to love anybody and everybody everywhere you go with the agape, unconditional love of God. Amen? Come on, how many of you are willing? Now listen, the reality is, the reality is some of us, we're struggling with loving people because we don't trust people, because we've been hurt by people. We've been betrayed by people. And what we need is to be healed by the love of God. That's what we need. And as the more we get healed by the love of God, the more we're going to be able to love other people. Amen? And so I want to pray for you today. Maybe you're in here today. Maybe you're watching online today. And the Lord is putting his finger on, on a sore spot in your life. And he's just saying, listen, I want to set you free. Forgive. Just forgive. I'm not asking you to, to say it's okay what they did. I'm just asking you to make the decision to release them and let them go. So you can be free today. Amen. Come on, let's pray together. If you have the liberty, the freedom, just raise your hands to the Lord right like this. And, just ask the Lord to fill you with love. 
Ask Him to give you a greater ability to love, to love the unloving, to love those that you don't even like, to love those that are irritating. Come on, ask the Lord right now to just give you the grace to just be able to let go of offense, let go of hurts. Just ask God right now to, to heal your heart. Love never fails. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that the love of God would be released in every heart and every life of every person in this room right now. Thank you, God, that you're bringing our relationships to a whole new level. They're never going to be the same. In Jesus' name, I thank you and I praise you that, Lord, you're doing a great work, a miraculous work in our life today. And it's in the mighty and the gracious blessing name of Jesus, I pray. And everybody that agreed said amen and amen. Well, God bless you guys. Stay warm. If you need prayer, we'll be up here. If not, stay warm. Make some gumbo. Put the right ingredients in it and have a great weekend. You're dismissed.